So, thank you very much for your patience. We were arranging the mics. And I'm waiting for Kati Jurus, the director. <laughs> and Professor Barbara, do you have a mic, Ben? You have a mic? Ah, you got, got it. it. Thank you. Um, while they're arranging our uh, seats, I, I would like to start. Um, Kati, it, it, it's a lovely film, and it's a confrontation. Uh, it's confrontating the film, uh, painful to watch because I, I, at certain moments, I had the feeling that I was looking at myself yeah. too. Um, did you have that feeling while you were making the film? Very much so, and I was very... Yes, of course, because I wanted to make a film where where uh, it's not my camera pointing at the slum dwellers, uh, but I tried to find somebody who will be able to handle a camera and sort of shoot his own environment, shoot his life there. And then uh, also, as it happens, uh, he also then points his camera to people like me, to, to, to all these, all us white people, or all us foreigners who, who go around and, and who have these great ideas how to help. And, and They're called helper whiteies these course, days. Of course, of yes. course, of course, yes. And, um, and who have very good intentions, of course, uh, as we all do. But, uh, and Dallas is not cynical about them. He, he recognizes this this wish to help, and he, he has a, he's a person with a very good heart, and he sees the good heart in other people as well, but he's just unhappy, he's just sad, and, and sort of per, perplexed, blah, blah, blah. perplexed he's, yeah, yes. exactly, yeah. about the, uh, how it has all <laughs> turned out. This is our you mystery know, guest. Perplexed. Yes, <laughs> he's been here so. for all the sessions, and he hasn't said a word so far. I hope something's going to change courtesy, tonight. Yeah. courtesy of UN Habitat. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Oh, probably, oh, thank, yeah. you. <laughs> thank you, UN. <laughs> right. So, uh, so it's 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 very sad to me, you know. But how did you solve that problem of not wanting to be? another white person filming. I mean, how, how much of a say did Boy Dallas have in, in making the film? Um, well, he has shot all the material that sort of looks yeah. like, you know, whatever. He sent me a lot of material. Uh, most of the material that we see in the film that is shot by him uh, has been shot without me being there. He was doing a lot of shooting without us being there. Hmm. Uh, but we did talk, uh, I did comment on it, I did help him in sort of how to handle the camera and how to, you know, not make too short clips and, and things like that. We discussed the, the subjects, but I tried to make sure that it's always subjects that he finds relevant mm. and interesting in his neighborhood, in his life, and so forth. And when we were there, um, Yes, I, I did sort of um, help him uh, in his journalism, let's put it that way, but, um, but I wanted to make sure that he always finds the questions relevant and he always wanted to find out about it himself. He just maybe didn't have the courage before to go to the UN mm. and ask these questions. So he needed a little bit of pushing 
yeah. and and things like that. And he but has he has seen the film. Has he been involved? Yes, in the he final was. Editing? He was no, 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 no. He wasn't. But uh, he's seen the film. He was in Finland actually when we had the premiere there at Helsinki International Film Festival. He was there. He very much likes the film, uh, and I think he will continue filming, and uh, the film will go around. And he's very very happy about the fact that now finally some of his thoughts are going around and mm. people hear them. Yeah. Professor Barber, have you ever been uh, so close to real life in the slums? Only in Harlem, <laughs> which is a little different. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it's not about, I think, about white and black and it's not about outside and inside. It's about top and bottom. The Government sure, yeah. itself, with its corruption, had as much to do with the problems as those who thought simply giving foreign aid, giving krona, giving euros, giving dollars could solve problems. And I think the great insight that Boydalis had was that you have to start from the inside. And you came as a facilitator for the inside from the bottom, not as somebody who's going to now teach him journalism, but to help facilitate his journalism. But what you saw there was a community, and what always strikes me in places that are called slums or developing world or the poor, is that when you actually talk one-on-one -on -one with almost anyone there, whether it's a little girl like his little girl, uh, or a teenager, or somebody like Boy Dallas, they are thoughtful, reflective, and have a very strong sense of what needs to be done. Uh, but at best, we ask them what should be done and then think that we can do it, whether it's the government or the outside. And I think the lesson we saw in this film is that things only started to happen when they started happening from inside the community, when community youth were directly involved, and when there was pressure on the government that made it harder to be corrupt. I'm sure there's plenty of corruption still there. They're but it seems to me that, that that lesson is deeply important everywhere. And that's why you know people say, oh, you talk about democracy all the time. And the democracy I talk about isn't some elections once in a while or representative government trying to do something. It's about people governing themselves together in a community. And that starts within the community, whether it's a slum community or another community. I, do, you, do you agree with that, that things started to happen when, when people from the community themselves, because uh, Actually, in, in the not end, entirely. In the end, I don't see very much happening for the benefic yeah, benefits because, of those people. Yeah, because it was actually a government-driven thing, uh, the whole thing that happened with the youth starting to, to work for the slum. They were paid by the government a little sum, but of course it shows how how desperate they are for jobs because the, the, the salary was really, really, really very small, but they wanted to do, they wanted to take up the jobs and of course they wanted to do something for their community because they got a little bit of money for it. But the sad thing is that after we uh, stopped filming, after some months, uh, the government stopped paying them and so they stopped cleaning the environment and I hear that now the environment is even in a dirtier stage somehow, I don't know why, but this is what Dallas is telling me. They are still continuing with the roads, uh, which means that there have been more evictions and people are not entirely happy again. So, so they feel that it was a kind of a political project. The government, the government wanted to have some some goodwill from the Kiberon people and so forth, more votes maybe, uh, although the elections are not there quite yet. And 
so it's, it's, it's quite easy actually to, to be a little bit cynical again about that project as well. So, you know. It's, it's always easy to be cynical, that's for sure, uh, about anything, about what's happening in Paris, about what's happening in Syria, about what's happening in Washington, about what's happening in The Hague. And the question is how not to be cynical. And I think the only way that happens is when we listen to what he said at the end, which is it about, it's about you and me. And I don't mean that's exactly. easy. When it's about you and me, it's very easy for you and me to act for a week or a month and then stop. Yeah. And then think now this problem is solved. But of course corruption comes back. And of course the minute the camera goes away, we go back to the old ways and the same people start exploiting. There will always be those who exploit and abuse power. And the struggle to democratize and equalize power is a permanent struggle. It never stops, which is, I think too many people think democracy is an end state. We work for a while, we get there, and then we go back to our private lives. Whereas in fact, it's a permanent struggle. And the minute you stop struggling for it, it doesn't work. Yes, but I, uh, yes, exactly. But I do wish also, like Dallas wishes, that people in, in Kibera know that they saw that they can actually make change. They can actually make the environment a lot cleaner, for instance, for, for one small, you know, it's a small thing to, to sort of just get the rubbish out, but that's a big thing for Kiberans. So how to organize themselves to start doing it without the government being, them, being there and, and telling them to do it. Dallas is wondering, you know, how to do that. I'm, I'm actually wondering the same thing, like, you know, Dallas push them, you know, say that on your radio program, maybe that would help, but uh, maybe it's not enough. Of course it's not enough, and it has to, when I say bottom up, it doesn't stop mm -hmm. at the bottom, it has to work up. It has to go up just as when it comes from the top, it has to, has to go down. And when it goes to the government because the cameras are watching, or UN Habitat has some money for them, or a Finnish NGO is there to give them something, so for a little while it's okay. But the minute people aren't looking, it goes back to corruption, which means you have to reform the system itself so that transparency and accountability are built in every day day to day, and that's why the sort of boring structural and establishment and institutional questions are so, so important, because people can't just be well motivated and say, let's try to do it. It has to be constant. But still, I, I, I was amazed by uh, the man from UN Habitat who at a certain point said, yes, okay, but here our responsibility stops and then the government has to take over. Or uh, uh, for, England, for instance, your, your ambassador talking about money and then boy, Dallas wondering, uh, of course, but I wonder why are they still giving money to countries when they know they're so corrupt? I mean, what, what is going wrong there? Is that... It, is that part of, of the framework of, of jihad versus McWorld in the sense that uh, the UN uh, doesn't have a real agenda for change because they know what's happening. What's going wrong there? Well, let me say two things. First of all, how many of you have seen the sustainable development goals that were published uh, in September and were the subject of the meeting of the United Nations at that time? That's which, the new Millennium Goals. Out, yeah. the Millennium Goals and kind of, yeah. and they say we will end poverty, we will deal with climate yeah. change, that cities will be empowered, that everybody will be educated, and they're beautiful and they're noble, and they lay on the paper. Yeah. And meanwhile, things go on. Uh, as before. And here we do come directly to McWorld because here's the other thing. Kenya cannot, even with an uncorrupt and good government, which it doesn't have, 
Kenya cannot solve its own problems in a world where on every economic map of the dis distribution of goods, the extractive industries that go in and take materials out and leave very little behind, Kenya, Africa cannot by itself solve the problem. And on the global map of capitalism, Africa is still an asterisk, except perhaps Sub-Saharan Africa, except perhaps South, uh, South Africa, which has a, has, has a different history. So to be sure, even the best of governments and the best of communities with the best of citizens, uh, like Boy Dallas, can't begin to solve a problem when they're an asterisk on the map of world uh, uh, capitalism, which has distributed its wealth so unequally and is so advantaging some and so others. And that's, so we always have the problem of the micro, the level, how do we as individuals at the, these levels, whether we live in, 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 in Rotterdam or uh, in, in, in uh, Kabira, how do we take action and at the same time do that in a context that is so large global capitalism, global banks, global wealth, that in a sense anything we do seems incidental. It's the same problem with terrorism. How can we, how can we deal with terrorism both with ISIS and Al-Qaeda, but also with the issues that create such hostility to Muslims in Europe that they become a soft spot for terrorists to develop and, and so on. And it's this fundamental question in a complex interdependence world, how do we starting as we this evening talking about this film, how do we take action and not simply be overwhelmed by, I mean, you went in with the best of will with a guy who was a remarkable guy, and both of you had some real effect, but at the end, here you are, you made this film that gives all of us a little bit of hope, and you're saying, well, don't get too much hope, because I'm not sure it's any different now than it was before. Yeah, but it's like, uh, as a filmmaker, you don't do things because you want to give people hope. You know, you want to make a film, you want to tell a story, you want to show people how other people, you know, see their world, what their world is all about, what kind of characters there are, you know, reminding all of us that, you know, we're all the same, you know, we're struggling in different kinds of places with yeah, rather you're, you're, similar let's, problems. Let's it's not little, like, it's let me not be provocative. like, it's not like, let me you know, be provocative. I want to give you hope. We're at the, we're at the end I'm of the series. We're at the end of the series. You're the 10th filmmaker who's told me that. The last thing I want to do is give you hope. I am simply picturing the world as it is. I don't believe you. I don't believe you would go and make this film and find this man and make this film if all you wanted to do is say, and that's to tell you the world is a hopeless, despairing place no. where even the best of people, well, you gave us a little hope. I mean, but I don't that, find Kibera a hopeless place. <laughs> well, you know, well, the thing, the well, thing so then is- Why do you say you don't want to give us hope? Because you did. I'm glad if I did, but it's not my, my primary, you know, that's not the, inst uh, the intention of the film. Like, let me now make a film which gives you hope. But let you me make a good film. Yes. Let, me make, let me make a film which makes you feel something, which takes you to another place and, you know, I don't know. I think you, with your talents, you could be. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think you could be I a banker. I do understand what you're journalists saying, say. Journalists say the same. Journalists tell me, I don't want to give anyone hope. I'm just going to tell the truth. I think people who want to tell the truth are trying to give us hope that the that truth can save us in truth. some way if we understand it and respond to it and deal with what we learn from the truth. No, but it's wonderful if it gives you hope. But, uh, you know, it's not like I want to, you know, sort of force hope down your throat because. I don't think that's interesting, and I don't think that's even doable. But uh, I'm glad if you got a little bit hopeful. It's, but but it's still, nice. but still, I wonder where did you where did you find hope? Because you 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 just pointed out how difficult it is to on a on a local scale be be, be active as a citizen, 
and on the other hand, uh, we were living in this in this world with the large global problems. And uh, where where's where where does the hope for the people in Kibera come from? At the end of the film, when he says, "Well, all I can think of is a revolution," while we all know that most revolutions don't yeah. work out that well either. So, where, what, what gave you hope? I saw a road being built where there was none, which means the next fire in Kibera will have a fire engine there instead of people with buckets, mm -hmm. and when someone's sick, they'll be taken there. I saw toilets being built presumably with a sewer system to connect it so that perhaps actually people will be able to go to the bathroom without paying five dollars or risking their lives by crossing a dangerous no, zone in the middle of the night. Well, that, well then, but that, then we're still not there. Then we're still not there. But those are the questions. And of course, when you pay for air and you pay for a green world and you pay for water as we do in a world of capitalism, that is still the problem. But I'm, I'm saying, I, I don't mean, of course you're not someone saying, I'm gonna make a nice little film about how wonderful things can be if one man has a radio station. You know, of course you're not yeah, saying that. But we, break, have yeah. watched, we have watched films one after the other. We watched a film about an extremist mosque and the people of Pakistan finally revolting against this extremist mosque because their own children were being murdered in a secular school in Peshawar. And the mosque is still there, by the way. And but but people were brought to the sense something has to happen in Pakistan, not in the United States, not by bombing Afghanistan, but by people in Pakistan taking responsibility for the terrorism that's coming out of the Salafist mosque there. We saw a story in uh, North Dakota about people who pushed the Nazis out of their town. They lost the legal case, but they pushed the Nazis out of their town because though they're Republicans and though they're not very sympathetic, they didn't believe that Nazis were good Americans who belonged in their town. We watched a story this afternoon of justice in the Jacksonville court when a young black was murdered by a racist person and the guy thought he was gonna get off and in the first trial he got off on the first degree murder trial uh, charge and in the second he didn't. Every one of those is a story that's depressing and upsetting but a story that suggests the possibilities in humankind that allow us to have some impact on our world. And I, I just don't believe that documentary filmmakers uh, don't think that, because if they didn't, then you should go make feature films. Go make Spectre, you'll make a lot more money, you'll have a much bigger audience. Uh, uh, you know, go make uh, 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 Hunger Games, you know, about kids murdering one another, uh, you know, and that, that get a lot of money for that. But instead, you're here in these difficult places making difficult films about difficult subjects that make us think that shed light on things we haven't seen before, and yes, hopefully give us a little sense, maybe there's a little better way to do this than we did it before. Okay, we have a few more minutes left. I want to give you a chance. Any, any burning questions here in the front? Speak up, I don't think there's a mic. Yeah, there's a mic coming. Yeah, but everybody wants to hear you. There's a mic coming, please, down here. Well, if if I just can um, uh, go a little further on what you on, on this discussion, but a question, please. We uh, don't have very much yeah. time. Okay. Isn't this exactly what this documentary is about? That we all should be should think uh, the incredible um, um, disparity or, or the, the difference between all this money being poured in, and it doesn't help at all. I mean, even that should make people think, and that is, I think, a very strong, uh, isn't that the strong idea you wanted yes, to pull out? No, no, it's not the only idea that I wanted to put into people's head, but I think, I think it is 
a very uh, important thing that we realize that what we're doing, we're not probably doing it right, you know? And I think, at least in my country, in Finland, it's mainly the people who are opposed to everything that comes from foreign countries. They are opposed to immigrants and they are opposed to everything. And they say that, okay, let's cut uh, development aid. But I think we, you know, other people as well should be able to talk about it uh, in a rational way and say that actually maybe we are not going, we are not maybe doing it right. There's very, very many voices in sub-Saharan Africa who are questioning the ways uh, development way development work is is being done and why it's not helping and so forth. Very, very good ac academic writers, not only Dambi Samoyo but many others uh, who are questioning these issues and it's a kind of a it's a kind of an issue that is very difficult to 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 talk about because if you start criticizing then you're like sort of a bad person who you know who you know who doesn't want to help who don't want to help so um, so yeah I think I think this is an, an interesting and important question that we should maybe you know think in in many ways Anybody else? One or two more. In the middle there. You picked a strategic place for the mic. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful documentary. Uh, very brief question. A very good friend of mine is Kenyan and from another slum in Nairobi, uh, Vivandani. And um, from a young, she grew up there and uh, she started a, a project there herself with her own community. Uh, not funded by foreigners. Um, and uh, the main issue that she's tackling is the fact of land ownership, which is a yes. problem in the informal slums. Yeah. And she's really fighting the system from within and trying to get the ownership and then also the demolishment uh, of, of the houses will be less of an issue. Um, and this is something I didn't really see so much also in your documentary, like all the people, I, I'm sure also in Kibera, there must be a lot of Kenyans themselves fighting for their rights, and sometimes supported by foreigners, sometimes not. Um, but how do you look we wanted that? to. We actually decided to leave the land ownership issue out because it's such a huge issue. You could make a documentary about that particular issue, one, one whole documentary about it. But yes, it is an issue also in, in Kibera. And one of the big problems there is that it's actually right in the middle of Nairobi. It's not outside Nairobi. It's right in the middle. and and and. Kiberans are quite sure that, you know, little by little, the city wants to eat up the whole place. And since they don't have the ownership of their houses or the land, so it's actually, uh, you know, quite probable that one way or the other, you know, the whole slum will be somehow upgraded to a more middle class place where you can get more money uh, for, the, for the land. Maybe just to but it's a, it's a crucial issue, yes. Most of the land actually in these slums are owned by Kenyan politicians and yeah. they earn a lot of money from the land rents. Yeah. Professor Barber, last comment? You, uh, I wish you would come to all of our films, as some people did, because there was a film two days ago called Land Grab. And it was about the role that large agricultural corporations in many different countries, including in Eastern Europe, in Indonesia and elsewhere, go in and buy up land to farm more, quote, efficiently 
which means eliminating the farmers locally from that and producing uh, a commodified, uh, mass-produced industrial food, as it were. And in some ways, you might say, well, that feeds the world better because it's more efficient, but it does so at the expense of the local farmers, the local economy, with exactly the consequences you have. So the, owner, the owners of urban land on which you build is only a small part of the problem. The much larger problem is the ownership of actually farming land and the farmland throughout the world. And by the way, the same thing has happened in the United States where 150 years ago, 80% of the population farmed. Today, less than 2% of the population does, and there are about a dozen large agricultural corporations that produce 90% of the food. So you're right in pointing to that. Ownership of land is absolutely fundamental. And as I say, we, we, tried, we tried in this series to not do everything in one film, but in a whole series of films to do it, and go back and have a look at land grab, because land grab is dealing exactly with that problem. And that is exactly what uh, Professor Barber has been doing here for these last three days, connecting problems, connecting stories, connecting uh, experiences of people from all over the world in very different situations, to put them in a, in a context that, well, and now, uh, thank you very much, Kati. Uh, it's, it's your bad luck that you're here while we're going to wrap up the whole series. So I'm now, thank you very much for the film. But no, please stay here. <laughs> But I, I really um, want to thank you, and I want to ask Laura von Halsma to come on stage for a minute. I know you hate it, but you have to, because you uh, have been thinking of this program uh, from the beginning of this year, since uh, uh, the attacks on Charlie Hebdo in Paris, which gave you the spark to think of such a program. Yes, <laughs> it's like a Chinese party congress, yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and I think not only that the selection was, was wonderful, which you worked out together, but, but um, hearing you speak about these films, connecting all these stories, connecting them to, to, to theories, connecting them to other realities, it has made uh, my watching of these films so much richer. It's like, you know, if you, if you know something about art or if you know the Bible, you see more in a painting than if you don't know anything. And it has been like that. I, I found it an amazing experience. It, it was a kind of experiment in this, in this form, but I think it, it worked out wonderfully. I have seen much more than I would have seen if I had seen all the films just without your comments on it and without you both working out this program. So I want to really thank you both very, very much. And of course, I also would like to thank Chris Keine for a wonderful uh, moderation of these three days. Very um, important to have somebody who is also so uh, well informed and has the good questions. And it was very good. Thank you very much. It's entirely been my pleasure. And of course, uh, Benjamin Barber. It has been a wonderful, interesting, um, beyond expectation process the last. I think it's been six months. I think I've been putting you through hours of films, um, but it was wonderful, and I thank you very, very, very much. Since mainly what I do, as you've learned, is talk, I'm gonna take the last word here. And just first of all, 
thank from the bottom of my heart the whole festival staff and everybody, but especially Laura, has worked so closely. And I did select the films, but only with her eye, with her help. We really did this completely together. It was a joint and wonderful process uh, in choosing these films. I don't think we could have done this without uh, you and your oversight and your guidance and pushing us through and once in a while even shutting me up or maybe more than once in a while having to say, okay, that, that, that's enough. But I hope you didn't notice. <laughs> but finally, finally what I want to say is that what all of us have really benefited from is from the filmmakers. And the filmmakers here, not just in the films we selected, but in the films that are all through this festival and in all over the world. Documentary film is, I think, a very difficult art, and it's also an art form which is much less well rewarded than making feature films. It's much harder to get the money to do it and to put them on and to have them seen and to get the kind of audiences that the Amsterdam Film Festival has gotten here. So maybe the best way to close this is to thank the filmmakers, the documentary filmmakers here and around the world who have helped open our eyes, whether it makes us more hopeful or more pessimistic or maybe a little of both, I'm not sure, but what it does do is help us see. Thank you to the filmmakers, thank you to the festival. And that's why you get the flower. Thank you. And thank you all for being here. We have one more film tonight in this program, but Professor Barber will not be there, but we hope to see you there. Thank you. <laughs>